And the fact that the establishment seems so afraid of people just deciding to listen to content that they want to listen to freely just just tells you how how completely uh, they have lost. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. It is the 1st of, 1st of April 2019, but this is not an April Fool's joke. We are having a very serious conversation today with a previous CorbettReport.com guest, Michael Krieger of LibertyBlitzKrieg.com. You'll remember him from a conversation we had almost exactly three years ago. In fact, three years ago to the day. Look at that. Michael Krieger on Eric Prince's insane post-Blackwater career. Quite an interesting uh, uh, in interview uh, in retrospect, so I hope people will check that out if they haven't already. We also talked uh, at the end of 2016 about Trump's Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin. So you can check back in the archives for those previous conversations. But today we're going to be talking about Michael's latest post up on Liberty Blitzkrieg. Russiagate might be dead, but big tech censorship is here to stay. Michael Krieger, thank you for joining us again on the program. Uh, hey, James. Great to be back with you. Excellent. Well, a uh, very important and serious topic, and I think we get the gist, the uh, the thesis of your your uh, blog post here from the title, but why don't we elaborate on it a little bit? What is going to be the real legacy of Russiagate? Not the legacy that some might have been thinking about of uh, the president being let out of the Oval Office in handcuffs or something along those lines. Obviously, that nonsense is uh, thoroughly debunked by this point, but unfortunately, Russiagate will still be with us in one form or another. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this. Uh, sure, James. So one of the things that uh, I was surprised by, actually, seeing a lot of the you know journalists or commentators who were correct on Russiagate, which, let's be honest, it wasn't too difficult to know this thing was a giant scam from the beginning. But um, you know, they were gloating a lot, which is fine. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't blame them for that. But I didn't, but I wasn't seeing a lot of um, second, you know, level thought of what what this really means. And they, they, there was a lot of, oh, well, the media has got to be held accountable for this. And, 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 you know, people, oh, can you imagine if you're Rachel Maddow? And, and I'm, I'm just thinking like, you guys are not thinking about this right at all. Because as far as I'm concerned, this worked like a charm for the people who are pushing it. Uh, there's, there are several angles. So the first and most obvious angle is the fact that nothing, absolutely nothing will happen to any of these charlatans. Like Rachel Maddow makes $10 million a year. She, she's fine. You know, she, she's not even, she's not even apologizing. She's not, she's shameless. She's coming out and like inventing new theories about why she was right and stuff. So all this guy, Luke Harding, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's the, he's the guardian journalist who wrote a book titled collusion that went to number one on the New York times bestseller list. He's also the guy who wrote that ridiculous article saying that Paul Manafort met Julian Assange in the embassy, which, you know, was the Guardian still hasn't commented on that, even though it clearly looks to be completely fake. So, again, these fake news peddlers are going to are making made out like bandits. Russiagate was was a business um, a proposition as well as a career boosting proposition for a lot of people that went from obscurity to popular. They're still popular because people still are delusional about this whole thing. So that's just the one sort of more obvious point. Nothing's going to happen to them. Um, but the but the thing that really bothers me is that if you think back to before 2016, the banning on social media, it, it, it would happen every now and again, but it was a big deal. You know, someone would get knocked off and it would be just like, wow, I can't believe this happened. Who was this? Let's look into it. Now it's like our everyday thing. People are getting suspended by bots. Um, they're getting kicked off for life on social media. And the point that I really wanna make to, to your audience and that I made in my blog post 
is that it's not like they're going to turn around and, and go back now. You know, Russia Gate. Before Russiagate, it wasn't as common. And now everyone's been pushing for censorship. They're pushing for Zuckerberg to decide who gets to speak and who doesn't get to speak. And Jack Dorsey and YouTube, as you know, they're now deranking videos that they call conspiracy. Um, whereas, of course, the biggest and most dangerous conspiracy theories of all are the ones pushed by government and intelligence agencies to start wars and other things. And guess what? You can't tell enough fake news about war to ever get banned. And so there's a huge double standard. Now, the only good thing is it, it, th this, this lays bare for once and for all now that the social media companies um, are completely full of it because uh, there, there's no just like Rachel Maddow should be banned, but she's not going to get banned. She would never get banned. And so the other thing is we've created now, just like in the real world, and this thing I've been writing about for a decade, how we have a two tier justice system, you know, like the bankers, like there's nothing they could do to go to jail. Uh, now we have that in on the online world as well. Um, there, there is a protected class of people that can say and do whatever they want, can spread as many lies as they want, and nothing will ever get them banned. Whereas for me and you, if we cross a little line once, we're out of there. Right? No judge, no jury, no trial. So that's, that's a really scary thing, and it's, and it's the world we're living in right now. And Russiagate played a huge role in, in creating the hysteria to allow this to happen. You're, you're exactly right. Unfortunately, you're exactly right in that assessment. And just to point and underline that hypocrisy for people, because it is such an important point, this is essentially the weapons of mass destruction of the left. The left media has uh, promoted this completely nonsensical story. It's been completely debunked. They will suffer no repercussions from this, as you say. But... Uh, this will also, as you say, not affect, for example, YouTube and other uh, social media platforms are now looking into uh, how to promote material they find to be trustworthy from trustworthy sources and demote from untrustworthy sources like you or me. Um, this will, of course, not adversely affect the promotion of Maddow or those the, the, the people of that ilk in these social media platforms. Of course it won't. They will still get the trust certified mark and voices that were dissenting from this debunked narrative will still continue to be demoted. So that um, is that as a glaring hypocrisy that everyone can see, but unfortunately that's not likely to change. And just to close the loop on that, uh, what are the most recent comments from Zuckerberg? He he's calling for government to step in and work closely to with the social media companies to more closely regulate speech. Exactly as I predicted last year, the so big social media giants want government regulation because they are in bed with government. They know this is the best way to maintain their monopolies is to get the big government involved in helping them decide what is and is not acceptable. And let's hand that power over to some sort of quasi-government, quasi-private entity that maybe they'll have an appeal process set up and maybe they'll allow you on their controlled platform. Mission accomplished. Isn't this what the end goal always was with the internet is to find a way to cram it back into the mainstream gatekeeping platform? Uh, uh, I, paradigm that existed before the internet came along. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what, what ever since, you know, Hillary lost the election, it was very clear that that was the wake up call. Like, wait a minute, the rabble is, is, is getting too powerful. Their memes are too powerful. You know, would Trump have been, despite how terrible Hillary was, if we were in a pre-internet world, would Trump have been pre-social media world, would Trump have won? I don't think he would have personally. I don't think he would have. And so that's what really scared the establishment, establishment media to death. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people have made this point, but I want to make it again. If you just take Twitter, for example, 
The president of the United States uses that platform um, solely, really, as a communications venue for the world. And so, therefore, it's almost impossible, in my view, to then argue Twitter is not the public square. I, I, I think that, like, if you're banning a citizen forever from Twitter, yet the, that's the primary means of communication for the president of the United States, I think, I think we're talking about the First Amendment needs to apply. And, you know, I, I, I really do think that we're in a situation where Americans, you know, if you have a, we, we have, we actually have good First Amendment law still in this country. It actually does work, which is why they're going through the social media companies and saying, oh, well, they're just private companies. And I've been making this point as well. It's like, no, they're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, Google is actively involved with the, the U.S. military, as you know, um, their, their employees uh, went uh, made a huge stink about Project Maven, which has to do with um, AI for the military, and they dropped that supposedly. But the point is, they're very, very, very much in bed, as you know, Google and, and Zuckerberg. I mean, he's basically taking marching orders from the Atlantic Council as far as you know who to who to ban and who not to ban, which is NATO funded. So these are not just private companies. These are companies that are very much in bed with the U.S. government, and therefore should be seen differently than we're, we're seeing them. Oh, and one last thing, one other thing I want to mention, James, which I didn't write in my article, but I think you'll appreciate, is the other really negative thing that Russiagate has done is it, 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 it basically made the, the, the quote-unquote liberal and centrist class that didn't like Trump uh, foaming at the mouth McCarthyites. Right. So 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 now, you know, they, they've spent the last two years arguing for more aggression towards Russia or they would cheer on the serious strikes when he did this. So you you've transformed a mass of people that would normally be anti-war under Trump to to now pro-war under Trump. It's like <laughs> talk about shooting yourself in the foot. It's incredible. So there, there have been huge, terrible ramifications to society and the world from Russiagate and it blowing up doesn't change any of it. Right. And let's talk about some of the ramifications for yourself and myself. We were both included on the proper not list as right. suspected Russian whatever, dupes, collaborators, whatever they were trying to pin on us, which of course got picked up by the, the Democracy and Dies in Darkness Washington Post and promoted as some sort of realistic list of anything other than a hodgepodge of sites that are somehow in some way against the mainstream. It was just a ridiculous list on its face. But for people who don't know, remind them of the proper not list and uh, the ramifications of things like that in this neo-McCarthyite era. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was right after the election. It was, uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend here in the States. And uh, it was like Black Friday, I think. They, 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 the Post published this piece where, you know, this proper knot, which no one had ever heard of, and it's, and it's since pr proved itself to be a complete joke, came out with a list saying these 200 websites are either working for Russia or, you know, useful idiots. And the Washington Post just went ahead and smeared 200 websites without, you know, did they contact you, they, you know, for a comment? No. <laughs> Right. They just wanted to smear people. And so, you know, now for me personally, I, I, I got, you know, I increased my follower count on Twitter by thousands. You know, I got more readers and a lot of people have told me I found you because anyone smeared by The Washington Post is probably worth reading. But it's still scary because what you're seeing is powerful news organizations seem very focused on regular people having opinions. They, they don't like that, you know, and, you know, they, they, they're trying, as you said earlier, desperately through whatever means necessary to marginalize voices. Now, back then they were trying, you know, that was a more slimy, 
not in your face tactic, really. You know, the, the post said, well, we didn't, you know, we don't, we don't vouch for proper not. Now they're going straight up and just saying, oh yeah, by, by the way, you know, our algorithms are going to make sure certain types of things are not going to come up in, you know, in your stream or in your YouTube feed. And, you know, it's really a shame if that happens because, you know, with YouTube, I'm sure you've had this experience and you, and you use it all the time. I mean, you can, you just can get into such interesting rabbit holes in YouTube. And, and even if it's completely ridiculous, so what, you know, like some, sometimes I'll watch something that I know is ridiculous just because it's entertaining, you know, or to, or to just see what people are saying, you know, what, what is wrong with that? And, and, and the fact that the establishment seems so afraid of people just deciding to listen to content that they want to listen to freely just just tells you how how completely uh, they have lost in a, in, a, in a free market of ideas. Exactly. Um, it is an admission that they cannot win in a free exchange of ideas. If you are that scared of other people hearing other points of view, then that means you are very, very unsure of the soundness of your own arguments or or perhaps more cynically are aware that you are lying and don't want other people to find out. So I think that is an implicit admission that they are on the losing side of this argument. Um, but again, it plays into the whole censorship agenda because proper not, and there's a list that's that's been put together by a team of academics that's being, uh, these types of lists are now being used as the basis for um, censorship uh, uh, applications of various sorts. For example, the Corbett Report is now labeled as a um, uh, clickbait site on uh, certain uh, virusware, you know, f software that'll flag viruses and, and other, you know, suspicious, malicious sites. Well, now sites like CorbettReport.com, because they're being put on these lists, are now being uh, put as clickbait because, oh, you know, this serious team of academics that has put together this list. And so it all feeds in. And unfortunately, this is the snowball. And sites like yours and like mine are the thin edge of the wedge of the ultimate, as you say, the censorship of everyone, where no one will be allowed to have a substantive opinion post your breakfast to Instagram all you want. But uh, if you ha try to have an actual serious opinion, you're going to be censored in one way or another. But I'd like to try to bring maybe something positive from this, which is that at the very least, now it is glaring and in your face and you have to be actively trying to avoid it to see this censorship uh, coming into place. So it does motivate people to perhaps look for alternative ways of getting information out other than these social media monopolies. I'm all about seeking out and, and fostering and promoting social media alternatives or other ways of disseminating information. What's your take on that as a potential outcome of this dark era of legacy, a dark legacy of censorship? Sure. Well, two things. I mean, first of all, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a sec, but I did, I did want to say that I don't see the question sort of is how long will this last? How bad will it get? But I, I, I really don't see a scenario in my mind that 20 years from now or something, we're not much more free than we are now as far as communications. Because again, I look back and, and you know, there's always this pushback when the public gets a tool that is threatening to an establishment. Uh, printing press would be the obvious one. But I mean, you know, you can go back even in military technology and stuff. I mean, you, you, when, once the cat is out of the bag, the cat really sort of is out of the bag. And so for me, what's going to happen is this establishment is acting this way because the establishment is terrified and the establishment is weak and it doesn't really have an ability to survive without censoring everybody. 
So therefore, this establishment will fall one way or the other, and then we'll, you know, we'll sort it all out. As far as alternative social media, absolutely. I mean, we need that. And for me, one of the things that is most important, um, and I'm surprised more people aren't demanding this, is communication is so vital to the human species. I mean, we, we have nothing if we can't communicate with each other. And right now, you know, you're in Asia and I'm in Colorado and we're talking and people were going to listen to this never before in history has it been so easy to do this. And that is a blessing and it's a great thing in the long run. And so, but, but for me, um, code needs to be open source for social media, period, you know? And so that, that's why you don't want a business model, right? Like a social media company like Facebook or Twitter shouldn't be for profit in the way that it is. Uh, what we need is we need, we need, we need, we need social media where everyone can go look at the code and therefore, you know, sort of how is stuff being ranked? How is stuff not being ranked? Because for us to rely on billionaire oligarchs, um, to, to, to not tip the scales in some ridiculous way against us is absurd. And so I think we're in this weird transition point where we know it's broken. Um, but we also know sort of what we need to do to fix it. It's, it just takes time because, and this is why I always mention the, the fact that we need open source code for, for, for social media, because if people don't demand it, then we're not going to get it. You know, people need to, 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 to be willing to use these sorts of things. Um, but so it's gonna, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but, but we'll, we'll get there. But that's my key thing. You, you can't have the code hidden for thing for 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 communications tools in the 21st century it's crazy yes i agree with that and i, I agree with you also that uh that the cat is out of the bag and now it is just a question of pushing through this transformation that's been ongoing for the past couple of decades to its logical conclusion and they could try to put the toothpaste back in the tube but it's not going back in at this point i think i think you're right about that but it will it will be an interesting fight because obviously the establishment will not go down without uh, significant pushback and we're just starting to see what that's going to look like so uh, as we go forward maybe we'll, maybe it will be harder and harder for people to hear our voices or find our voices in the online mix but we will still be I'll still be doing there <laughs> out there doing this uh, while I can and I know you will too uh, on that note you are still on Twitter and and other platforms like that tell people where they can find your work yeah, the only places I really do anything now are Twitter and my blog. You know, so I'm at libertyblitzkrieg.com. I'm write, writing about once a week only, so I'll pick one big topic and I'll just go dive into it. Uh, and then I do tweet a lot. Uh, I, I use Twitter actively. Um, I that's the only social media I use, and it works for me. Uh, that's at Liberty Blitz if you want to check me out there. And I cut off all ads to my website because again, like trying to get away from Google, um, I, that was just making me sick. So I don't have any advertisements anymore from any anyone, even things I believe in. And uh, so if you like what I do and you want to support me, you can check out my support options on my site. Uh, there's everything from Bitcoin to Patreon to PayPal to cash. So if you want to support my work that way, you can do that. Excellent. Well, that's the principle I operate on too. No, no ads. It's just uh, if or if you want to if you want the work, support the work, and that's exactly. the direct model of support that will counteract the the exactly. advertising si- construct system that allows Facebook and Google and Twitter to operate for free. Free, yeah. All right, excellent. Well, lots to talk about, lots to cogitate on. We will direct people once again to libertyblitzkrieg.com and specifically to your post, Russiagate might be dead, but big tech censorship is here to stay. Michael Krieger, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks, James. Really fun.